and then I went to this horrible sixth form it's nice now I think um <laughs> but my experience of it was not great and I remember I went there and I had my first meeting there with the head of year or whatever you call them and I had I had um, left school with 10 GCSEs A to C so I had 10 you know good GCSEs and the man said to me you'll be lucky if you get a C and two D's in A level hmm. what what and I remember I, I remember sitting there and thinking what's this guy talking about hi everyone and welcome to the listen in podcast my name's Aravana my name is Anya and my name's Boomy let's get into it Hi everyone, Um, we just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who listened to our first episode last week, which was all about being yourself at work. Um, We were all really surprised at um, how many of you were able to relate to our experiences. Um, And we really wanna say thank you to everyone that shared um, their own experiences and their own thoughts. Um, It was really, really good to read that and um, just hear that from everyone Mm. it really did surprise us a lot (laughs) the positive feedback that um we received from you guys so we do really appreciate it and thanks for sharing your stories and please do um keep engaged with us through our next topics and let us know what you think yeah it was definitely a pleasant surprise um I remember like when we started a recording we did we had no idea at all who would be reaching um and how much of an impact this will make but uh, from seeing the feedback i'm absolutely glad we decided to step out of our comfort zone mm. amazing how many people could resonate with our experiences and we're happy to share that with us as well so thank you very much mm. um and we also from the feedback we we felt that there were lots of things that came up lots of other um, examples and and people's stories that came up so we feel like it is important for us to talk about it again um, based on that feedback Um, so we're planning to record um, a sort of continuation or part two in the future and we hope to include some some other friends and um, other people in that so look out for that in the future. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about imposter syndrome. So this is a phrase that um, lots of people may have heard or you may not have heard of it before. Um, So we invite you to listen in and let us know your thoughts. So imposter syndrome has been defined as, this is all from Wikipedia, (laughs) Um, but it has been defined as the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. So it's Mm. the inability to believe that. So (laughs) let's start by just talking a bit about about imposter syndrome. So Mm. I know there are some statistics out there um, which suggest that imposter syndrome affects people from BAME origin a lot more than others. Bumi, do you want to share some statistics? So sharing from the statistics um, that we found, um, it was just saying that three out of five um, black people especially um, 
felt um, suffered from the imposter syndrome, which put it down again, it didn't have a figure around how many people were interviewed or surveyed for that particular, um, um, for that particular um, research. Mm. But it did say about 59%, which technically was saying that if people from um, BAME backgrounds made up about 14% of the working population, then 59% feeling that way is a huge mm. and a significant number mm, and nothing yeah. to be easily dismissed. And I was talking about, I found it interesting that it was also talking about the fact that women can tend to suffer a bit more than men in general, which mm. I know like brought up an interesting conversation for us in terms of why we think that might be, um, but we can talk about that later. Um, and I'll, I'll say, like I was saying to you guys earlier, I also found it interesting that we mentioned about millennials, in, although you didn't go into it, but it might be interesting to just hear about from millennials in general. So I guess from, from what Bumi is saying, millennials are the ones who are most affected or tend to be the ones who are more affected by imposter syndrome. And we're all millennials. <laughs> and mm. I'm just wondering why that is. Um, part of me thinks that it could be because um, we are the first generation for a lot of for a lot of families really who are you know getting into certain positions who are working in certain environments where which typically had not been very diverse um mm. so it's almost like we are having to i guess navigate our way around that environment so it's quite mm. difficult mm. um and so i think because we are suddenly getting some of these positions that we historically wasn't able to get I think there is a lot of self-doubt that can come with that mm. um, and feeling like you are a fraud mm. <laughs> um, you, sh you shouldn't be there so I think that could be part of the link what's your thoughts um on it Rabna? um to be honest I hadn't really thought about it in terms of the the millennial sort of um, aspect um, but I think what you said is a really good point because you know if we it also mentioned about um, people from black Asian minority ethnic groups um, and also women and I think all of those groups um, have had difficulties getting into the workplace getting into different mm. positions um, yeah. you know so I think it all impacts on on you like you say the first person to Mm. I think I was reading somewhere that it, you know, imposter syndrome also um, affects people that have quite high standards. Mm. Um, and I think that, that that's kind of linked to it because you, you, you do, not to say that other people don't, but I think that if you're the first to do something, there's always an expectation on you or there's always a pressure, whether it's a pressure mm. from yourself or pressure from others to, yeah. to do well. Um, and I guess also because you don't necessarily have that um, example or, or guidance from somebody who is like you in that position, it is a lot harder. So, for example, if speaking about our, um, you know, uh, profession, there are some people who are speech therapists and their mum was a speech therapist or mm -hmm. they're a speech, speech and language therapist and their dad was a speech therapist too. Or like, do you know what I mean? They worked in that 
same sort of area or like sometimes mm. people be like oh I'm a, a speech language therapist my sister's a, phys- a physiotherapist my brother's a whatever else so they have this sort of um family experience that's you know been there for a while of people working in this field so even if they do have the same doubts mm. I think that there's someone there to talk to them about those doubts and say that's normal Mm. and help them to overcome that rather than them not knowing that that's kind of a a normal part of your development as a what I don't know if it's normal but let's just let's just assume that it is like a typical part of your development as a as a professional Mm. if Mm. that this is expected and nobody expects you to do everything correctly from the beginning then you're more likely to kind of have those those kind of feelings I think so yeah I think that's a really interesting point but I had never thought about or made that connection with being mm. a millennial or anything. I think more for me, what you were saying, Anya, sort of rings a bit more true to me about being mm. the first person in this in this area. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. But I was also thinking about, see, while she spoke, Anya, I was thinking about, um, could there also be a link um, between the sort of, like social media and how it's blown up in our generation especially seeing mm-hmm. other people's lives could there also possibly be a link between that and have like imposter syndrome um because obviously the older generation didn't have a lot of the technological advancements that have happened in our times mm-hmm. and i think it's like that kind of like having a lot more people to compare yourself with i think can also cause a lot of that feeling is my thought um, so it'd be interesting to find out other people's experiences as well and see what they make of it. Um, but I did, I definitely found the statistics interesting, especially about the numbers. So three out of five, especially for people from being background is, is a huge and a significant number and something to not be um, overlooked or dismissed. Mm. Mm. And I think three out of five is a bit too much. <laughs> Sorry. Like if it's, it's too much, if it was one out of five or two out of five, fair enough. But, the fact that it's so many people, that's a lot of people. That's a that's huge a percentage. And lot. it can't be by coincidence no. um, when it's that many people. And I, 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 I just feel like, um, yeah, it's, it's really an interesting thing to think about. But I, I kind of feel like for me personally, kind of thinking about even the phrase imposter syndrome, um, like I was saying to you guys earlier, I had never heard of it before. I heard about it like four years ago that was the first time I heard that that phrase and it was because I was talking to um a colleague of mine we were just having a conversation she was talking about something she was like oh yeah but that's my imposter syndrome and I was a bit like what's that like I'd never heard that phrase before and when I looked into it I was like oh that's what the way I feel in these situations is so I kind of I'm not sure that we can necessarily say that our parents' generation or the other generation didn't have imposter syndrome. Mm. They may have, but they may not have had the word for it. And I think for us as well, we have a word for it, we can describe it. And we're in situations that may highlight it a lot more than maybe they were. And I think we talk about things maybe a bit more openly than, than people did in the past. Mm-hmm. in general but yeah I don't know about you guys when did you first sort of hear about imposter syndrome and like 
have you always known what it was <laughs> or was it just me I think I I first heard about it um because I was talking to someone and they said to me I think you've got imposter syndrome <laughs> so mm. they said to me I think you've got imposter syndrome and then they broke it down to me and explained what it was and I thought oh my gosh I actually think I do have this so mm. that was a real uh, realization for me because I didn't really understand the way I was feeling about situations mm. I think being able to identify it and realize okay this is something that I'm going through I was then mm. able to mm. um, be more aware about it and, and try and make some changes in, in terms of trying to overcome it really mm. um, and can I just ask oh, sorry to interrupt but like why did they say that what made them say to you what was that situation that made them say to you do you know what, Anya I think you've got imposter syndrome yeah do you remember yeah I do um I was just talking to this person so actually this was someone um who I was speaking to because I was quite stressed with mm. work um and just generally just quite stressed and I spoke to this person and they were um they were just talking to me about a few things and I think they said, you know, you're being too hard on yourself. And they mm. said, you know, why do you, why do you not feel like you deserve to be where you are? Mm. And I didn't realize that, like I knew that I, I knew how I was feeling, but I didn't realize the, the extent to how mm. I was feeling. I didn't realize that I genuinely did not feel like I deserved to be where I was. Mm. Um, and it was only through that conversation that I was able to really, um, yeah, really, really realize, really see things a lot clearly, a lot more clearly. Um, and then, yeah, just, just, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was just really interesting mm. <laughs> having it come to the light and, and be able to then start to work through it. Because mm. I kind of feel like, um, people have always said to me, you're too hard on yourself. That's what they've said. They haven't said imposter syndrome. They said, you're too hard on yourself or, oh, you work really hard or, mm. um, what's the other thing that people would say? Or like, oh, you always want, want things to be perfect. Not that I'm a perfectionist, but like people made little comments like mm. that, which, um, you know, no, nobody's ever said to me, I think you've got imposter syndrome. It, it was, it's, been, it's been more when I heard that um, friend of mine saying it, uh, and she's also someone from the BAME community. Um, yeah, it made me think, oh, like, oh, wow. Like, I, now I know what it is. And now I know that it's not just me that, that thinks like that. But to be honest, oh. I don't know where it came from. No. And what about what about you, Bumi? I think before we move on to where it started, because I think that's mm. a really interesting conversation in itself. Yeah. I just want to find out from you, Bumi, when did you first hear about imposter syndrome? Um, yeah, I'm the newbie to imposter syndrome because I literally mm -hmm. heard about it less than five months ago. Wow. <laughs> Mm. Um, I, like you and Ravna I've always heard the comments in terms of oh you're so hard on yourself oh, can't you see how really good you were when you did that mm. um, those, that's those sort of comments but actually I was having a conversation with one of my colleagues at work um, she's not from the BAME community 
but um, which is another interesting that actually I found that a lot of my colleagues, although they were not from the BAME community, they also felt like they suffered from imposter syndrome. So mm -hmm. maybe there is something about our whole journey of into this profession that can also make you feel like that. But I remember I was having this conversation and she was like, oh, boom, that is such classic imposter syndrome traits. I was like, oh, what's that? And then I went to have a read about it. like, wow, that defines my whole professional life. Mm. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's really interesting yeah. that we've all experienced imposter syndrome. We all feel like it's something that we have struggled with. Um, so yeah, Bumi, when did you, when did it first start to impact you? When did you first start to notice the signs? To be honest with you, it, would, it was when I started my studies as a speech and language therapy student. Mm. that I started to feel like I mean probably all through my life I've always thought that I wanted to probably try hard or hard enough but it was yeah. much more evident when I started to started my degree which is based on like certain comments um and wanting to prove myself that I could do it based on those sort of comments mm. if that makes sense that made you want to work twice as hard so definitely when I started my degree and what what comments did you get <sighs> Um, I remember one of the tutors at, um, when I was at university, um, she, I'm one of my clinical tutors. I, I remember her being very critical of probably like my report writing, critical of um, my, yeah, my, my, even like talking, if that makes sense, um, critical um, coursework, everything. Um, and I remember like, I, I, again, I don't know if it's, this is probably more of, for a different topic, but I remember that feeling like, oh, maybe I don't deserve to be on this course. Maybe, um, maybe I'm not, this is not right for me. Mm. But every time I went on placements, I did feel like it was right for me. I did feel like I could do this. I was taking in knowledge at university. I was putting in the work, but yeah, it just, it just made me feel like, well, maybe this is not the environment for me. Um, mm. And I've, I started to feel very much like I, I don't feel like I belong here. So it sounds like then, just as you've kind of explained, the experiences was, was, it became more obvious at university. So once you started the course um, and you started having people question the way that you're doing things and kind of support you with, I guess, improving your like certain skills, like writing skills and things like that, or picking out certain things that you need to improve on. It sounds like that, really did start to impact on how you felt and how you viewed yourself and how I view myself especially yes yeah okay and but prior to that then so prior to starting university how did mm. you feel about yourself how did you how did you view your skills I mean to be honest I mean I'm I'm quite open because I'm, I'm grateful for where I am now. Mm. I'm quite open to say that there were stages in my life where I suffer from low self-esteem. And that brings me to an interesting thing in terms of, because I had to look into, is it the same thing like in terms of having imposter syndrome and having low self-esteem? And for me personally, it sounds like they can, they're quite the same. They're similar in some ways, but they're also quite different. So whilst mm. I suffered from like probably low self-esteem for, for whatever re, um, reasons, um, but I also didn't feel like a fraud if that makes sense. Yeah. I remember when I went to sixth form and I probably shared this with you guys um, 
I've shared it with both of you just to, like in our general conversation in terms mm. of obviously coming in being a Nigerian girl going into mm. college and um, saying to my teacher because like I can't imagine now going to a lecture and saying oh I think you should put me up to an IA class if that makes sense so although mm. I did have these feelings and probably low self-esteem about certain areas of my life um, I was confident enough to go to my teacher to say I don't feel like this is the right class for me can you put me up whereas mm. I, when I went to university I would have probably been looking for them to put me down rather than put me up because I then started to feel like I didn't belong so I do yeah so based on that point I think that having low self-esteem is very different from having that's an so interesting yeah, yeah that's so interesting and what what do you think it was about university which led you to feel that way and led you to well what do you think it was about the course that that led you uh, to feel that way and start having those doubts about your skills and yeah I don't know it was it was many of those comments I think environmentally as well I didn't see a lot of people like myself yeah um, within that person and especially on that course I mean from because I was in the year group with you guys and then obviously I took a year out and I started the following year again mm-hmm. but even across both cohorts there weren't a lot of black people so there weren't a lot of BAME people in general and especially black people um Mm -hmm. so it started to make me feel like is this something that we do is this the right place for us Mm -hmm. um and also those comments didn't help because again I get constructive criticism but sometimes it didn't come across as that and also it just some it wasn't always phrased in a way that preferred a solution if that makes sense mm-hmm. it was more kind of like hitting at your person and also that started to yeah and also again regardless of what I then did I didn't feel like it was good enough mm. so yeah it's really tricky isn't it because mm-hmm. you know I completely appreciate that as uh, lecturers and and um people others like tutors who work for the university I, I completely understand that they that their role is to support us yeah. to of you know course. to really mold us into being a therapist and to help yeah. us to develop certain skills that would make us effective therapists going forward um yeah. but at the same time it can have a knock-on effect on our confidence and how we start to view view ourselves really um, yeah, so I think it's a really fine line. Very gone. And I was just saying, I think it's a really fine line. Um, yeah. And it is important. I think it's still important that the, the feedback is given. It's just, I yeah. guess, it's, it opens up a conversation about, about how, mm, that, how that feedback is given, really, um, in a constructive way, as you said. Mm. Yeah. And I think that that's why it also makes it interesting that actually, some of my colleagues that I work with now, they are speech language therapists from different backgrounds and they still feel like that, if that makes sense. So I think mm-hmm. all of that journey of being more of a reflexive practitioner might probably bring out things about yourself. I remember being at uni and every time they ask you to write a negative and a positive um, comment about a session, for example, you'd mm. easily find all the negatives, even though they weren't mm. necessarily negatives. Mm. But I think probably just being in that sort of environment where you're being refined. And yes, I do agree that obviously lecturers have a duty and they shouldn't shy away from obviously refining us, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. But also, we're all not made to fit into a box if that makes sense we still mm-hmm. like we could still bring a part of our person 
into this role, um, part of our personality. Um, mm. Obviously, whilst we're being very professional, but we are not just kind of like fit into a mould. We're not just clones of each other, mm. if yes. that makes sense. And I think that's one of the things I find the beauty of this career is that you can still bring a part of yourself and hopefully you mm -hmm. still find that part of yourself once you've gone past that refining stage mm. what about mm. you guys i guess in terms of for me um i'd say my imposter syndrome was similar to yours for me i'd say um well actually did it start at university i think it probably started um i i think education generally was, was quite difficult for me um, just in terms of my experiences through education um, I, but I'd say that when I actually started university I think I really did start to question myself a lot more um, but I think in school um, you know I I passed my GCSEs did quite well did my A-levels um, but I didn't get onto the course. I passed my A-levels, but I just didn't get the grades that I needed to get onto the course for speech and language therapy. And that was definitely what I wanted to do. Yeah, for a while I was feeling a bit down about it because um, you know, my friends were going on to university and I knew what I wanted to do, but I just couldn't get there because there was like one um, grade which, which wasn't um, as good as I hoped. Um, mm. So then I went through a period where I had to, um, kind of redo some of my A-levels. So mm. um, just in the hopes that I'll get onto the course. And I think that really did knock my confidence from that point of having to kind of redo my A-levels um, mm. because it did make me feel like, oh, I'm not good enough to get onto this course. But then when I finally did redo some of them and I got better grades and things like that, and I could go on to university to study a speech therapy, I've I did, I did feel a lot more confident because I'd then passed it and I thought I felt a lot more confident. But then as soon as I started university and I was in the, the lecture hall and I was around, you know, I was very much a minority in that situation. And mm. I think I very much did feel like, should I be here? Similar to what you said, Bumi, I've started feeling like there's not many others like me here. Should I really be here? And... I think the lecturers, none of them, you know, really looked like me or anything. I just, mm. it did make me feel like, is, is this the right thing? And then mm. I had, um, I did mention in, that, in another episode, in our first episode, that um, a lecturer said to me, you know, like I, I handed in some coursework and she said to me, okay, this isn't good. You're going to have to redo it. So I, I redid it put so much into it she said this still is not good and she mm. said is this the course for you I really think you really need to think about if this is the course for you and I think mm. that seed was like planted mm. in my head mm. and I think from that point going forward I was very much just thinking is this the place for me mm. <laughs> and then I went through this, this time where like um I had to basically take a year out as well and then and then come back and that, mm. again, completely knocked my confidence because I worked so hard throughout that first year. Then it's like, it's almost like it wasn't good enough. Mm. So I just, I, I constantly just thought, oh my gosh, I'm trying my best, but I just don't seem to be getting anywhere. Um, 
and some things I'll do really well on and some things I wouldn't do well on. It just felt like, yeah, it was just really hard. And I think that really did affect my, affect how I started to view myself. Um, even on placement, I think similar to you, Bimmy, on placement with the children, it was fine because I've always, I think I've always had quite a good rapport with people. So even with the children, mm-hmm. with adults, I think that worked really well. But I think it was more the theory side, which which really did start to intimidate me and made, made me question myself and think, oh, can I do this? And yeah. just the feedback from the lecturers, I just felt like, can I do this? So, yeah, I think that really did start to play on me a lot. And um, it carried on into work. It carried on mm-hmm. into the working environment as well. So, yeah, really mm. challenging times <laughs> when I think about it. Mm. But, yeah. yeah. What about you, Rabna? Yeah, um, I was just, I'm just really shocked at that lecturer mm. <laughs> saying that to you, Anya, after one coursework, failing, you know, doing not very well on one coursework. Literally twice. one coursework. One. Like I was saying, um, you know, before, it's, it's different if, you know, you had done really badly on all your courseworks and all your work and mm. you showed no interest or something like that consecutively mm. or consistently showing certain behaviors then mm. you can say to someone you know are you sure this is the course for you or I, I mean even that phrase is a bit weird like why not just yeah. ask someone like what's going on how are you finding this what yeah why are you finding it difficult rather than putting this thing on them of are you sure it's for you like that's yeah. just ridiculous behavior. Um, but I remember one of my um, supervisors, actually, um, he, he was a re- brilliant supervisor. He's from the BAME communities as well. And I remember when I had that placement, he mm. always used to say to me all the time, he was like, listen, you are good. You can do this. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't do this. You can do it. Like all the time throughout that, I think it was a three week placement. And then he allowed me to come um, back in the summer for a couple of days just to shadow him, me and another girl who was also from the Bain community. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, really interesting. interesting. Yeah, he talked a lot about his experiences and this man was so like qualified. I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to identify him, but you know, trust me, he was a very, very accomplished person. He had been mm. a professional several times before he did speech therapy, mm. speech language therapy. Um, and he said that he had, um, not lecturers, but like, what do you call them people again? Like, you know, clinical tutors or something, mm. um, making comments like, are you sure this career is for you and stuff like that. So he had that mm. same sort of thing as well. So mm. I feel like some of these people need to actually think about their words and what they're saying. I'm not yeah. saying that you need to mollycoddle people and no. make them think they're doing well when they're not. But if someone's done really badly on one coursework twice, Mm-hmm. and it's, it's one coursework <laughs> that doesn't yeah, mean yeah. that you cross them out of everything that's just really you know really pathetic behavior I think um that's really making them question their whole entire career path if that makes sense I mean yeah, like you were yeah. saying Anya, like you were looking forward to doing this you worked out you worked hard at college so that you could get the grades to do this so you knew at least on some some subconscious level that you wanted to do it mm. so to university and so, I mean, 
I think, don't get me wrong, I'm not judging anybody. Anybody can make mistakes. But I think that's why it's good for us, us to have this conversation. So hopefully people can think a bit more about what they say and especially how they say it. Mm, that, yeah. That's what makes the difference. Because imagine if you're taking that word to heart and you'd actually then said, I'm not going to do this. Mm. You'd be missing out on all the amazing human that you are in terms mm. of your career development, Anya. Mm. What you've achieved so far is phenomenal. Mm. And that could have that could have just altered the whole your whole career path, if that makes mm. sense. And that's mm. quite sad because someone else could have heard exactly the same thing and taking a different step that you did, you decided to persevere. Someone may not have the same resilience as you. Exactly. And that, that would have had devastating conf- um, um, consequences for them. So mm. it's really important. Yeah, I heard similar like comments. Like it was this particular um, clinical tutor, actually. That's why I was specific to say that it wasn't all of our lecturers at university. It was a particular clinical tutor mm. that I had as well who made those sort of comments. And it's just interesting. And for you, um, Ravna, I think, obviously... I think sometimes when you've been through something, it makes it easier to relate to people or want to encourage mm-hmm. people. Mm. So that um, placement educator that you had, he could make a difference because mm. he's been through that. And mm. it seemed that obviously that he could do it. Mm. Um, and it didn't allow that co- um, that comment to to change his person. And then he's, he's just decided to use that to encourage other people from fame. Could be, I mean, I, I can imagine he'll do it for anyone. Yeah, so that I that think he's that sort of character. Yeah. Mm. But also that, that that I think it's important that he felt the need to mention it to you, especially that actually he probably mm. saw things that you probably didn't see and thought, well, yeah. she needs that reference. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so interesting, brilliant. isn't it? Like when you really look at it, that you hear, you really just, from what we've been saying, there's one person who mm-hmm. said such really, you know, strong negative things. And then someone else who said something really positive and really encouraging. Mm. And I know this is going to go a bit off topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to try not to let it go off too much. It's fine. Thinking about just in education in general. So like even when you're in school, mm. I remember mm. learning, being in sociology and learning about self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, learning about the whole fact that once someone kind of starts saying certain things about you or start, starts speaking certain words about you mm. um depending on what those words are you then start to become it mm-hmm. yeah. um and that affects i remember learning about it in school and they're saying oh it affects black boys a lot and i was thinking here we go here we go <laughs> here we go but um i think it actually affects um a lot of us bame and non-bame um I think it really affects all of us. If you hear certain words too much, you are then going to start to believe what those words are. Mm, and yeah. I think just, I guess, thinking about, you know, the the situations that we've been through, like mm. my situation with university, that, that voice was so strong that mm. it, it did keep playing over. Then I went through other experiences where, you know, I, I was kind of, not treated fairly which i'll speak about another time um which again started playing over and over again in my mind which has Mm. then kind of led to this point of imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. you know not able to actually see see the value and and finding it hard to accept that i am where i am because i deserve to be there Mm. you know constantly questioning that and Mm. i think the positive thing with Arabna of your situation is that you had that positive voice. But my question is to you, Arabna, 
that positive voice did you have lots of positive voices or was it just the one because I think you know um a, a lot of positive voices can make it can make a huge impact yeah I think that no I think that a lot of people just this is a not you know a huge generalization but I think in general mm. it is always easier to hold on to the negative than the positive just yeah. as a rule I think it is um and I think I did have quite a few positive voices um but he's he's one that I never forgot I had such mm. a such a good placement with him I can't even explain how good that experience was and at the end of that placement I felt like he he got my confidence off and I felt like oh I can do this I'm you know I'm good at this I'm good at that not exactly those thoughts but I felt like I could do things and then straight afterwards I had this terrible placement which I'll talk about another time and that just dragged me down mm -hmm. and then I graduated so my last um experience was feeling that I couldn't do anything but um in terms of like i i went on the course as a as a mature student um so i feel like i you know my my mind and my development was in a, a different space than mm. if i'd done the course as you know straight out of a levels or whatever but i do think that um you know um education is really um the experiences that you have in education as well does impact you and can build in this sort of imposter syndrome. I, I, it's really hard for me to pinpoint when it started, um, but I, there's just certain things that I remember. So like I went to this sixth form that I hated, <laughs> hated that school. And um, so my, my, my secondary school, even though it was like, even though like, you know, people from Bain communities. Um, sorry to keep using that phrase, but I'm just there's nothing else at the moment, isn't it? So I'm just gonna have to. I'm gonna have to say it in it. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Bain community people from Bain community were a minority, um, but in general, it, you, there wasn't really any real impact that I felt in secondary school. Mm. Um, and also I did quite well academically in secondary school. So I was in all the top sets. And again, we had certain teachers who were amazing and always, there was one science teacher that we had. Um, she used to like gather me and some of the other like black girls and Asian girls and just say really positive things to us. It was really, I just remembered that. Yeah, she'd always like say really positive things to like us after lessons and talk, talk to us about how great we were and this and that. Um, oh, so she really, really like nice. she was amazing. Like she yeah. built a lot of confidence in us. Again, maybe she saw something being an adult. Maybe mm. she saw something in us that was kind of like, oh, maybe I need to kind of help these girls a little bit. Mm. Um, so that was good. So academically, I did fine. And then I went to this horrible sixth form. It's nice now, I think. Um, <laughs> but my experience of it was not great. And I remember I went there and I had my first meeting there with the head of year or whatever you call them. And I had, I had um, left school with 10 GCSEs, A to C. So I had 10, you know, good GCSEs. And the man said to me, you'll be lucky if you get a C and two Ds in A level. Hmm. What? What? And I remember, I, I remember sitting there and thinking, 
what's this guy talking about? <laughs> I was just thinking, but I never really told anybody that. I just sort of carried on with my life. And also, all sorts of things happened in that sixth form that was just sort of, I think, built to sort of break your person. But I'll put that aside for now. But I think there were lots of people who were always trying to kind of put you in your place and let you know that, no, you're not as good as you think you are. So I feel like those sorts of things even if you're the strongest person in the world and you have quite a strong character, mm. yeah. unless you stay on that sort of high level all the time, it will mm. chip at you to yeah. a point where, and I think that's what it is where um, I may have had um, a certain level of, of confidence or character, whatever you want to call it. But I feel like I got to, with that placement, I was in a situation where it was quite difficult because somebody else had some power over me to mm. say whether I was good or not and was constantly chipping away and saying this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong mm. you know and you're always trying to like fix it or whatever um but it just didn't doesn't work but again I'll have to talk about that placement another time we don't have <laughs> we don't have three <laughs> hours <laughs> but like yeah I, I feel like because that was my last experience I went into work just sort of always doubting myself and I remember my last my first role sorry when mm. I was leaving one of the comments that my manager said to me when I was leaving is he was like you know when you started your confidence was really low but I think we've you know you've done really well like your confidence is much higher blah 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 and I remember thinking like how did he notice that <laughs> you know you don't realize that people pick things yeah. up but like yeah. I was just a bit like oh so then and then I went to my next job and soon after I heard about imposter syndrome and stuff like that. Um, so I said all that to say, I don't actually know when it started, <laughs> mm. but I can think of things that would have contributed to it because yeah. I think within myself, I have quite high, high expectations of myself anyway, which I don't think is a bad thing. Um, but it's just, if you have that and then you have um, certain people, um, it put in a certain environment it might exacerbate mm. it and make it worse mm. me personally i didn't really feel um very um affected by being a minority and all of that again i don't know if it's because i've always been a minority in the places that i've lived in england and even in some respects when i lived in ghana as a child i was also a minority because people knew that I wasn't born and bred in Ghana. They knew that I'd moved back to Ghana. So I was, mm. I was kind of different because of that as well. So mm. I don't know, maybe that's all, maybe that's why I don't, that sort of element of it doesn't impact me as much personally, mm. but I do understand that it, it impacts other people more. Mm. Um, or imp, imp, you know, the things that impact you will impact you. Um, but I think for me, mm. what impacted me more is um, just the sort of accumulation of um people's comments and things like that and um i feel like i had to actively and aggressively fight against that yeah. sort of way of thinking and, and feeling and stuff mm. yeah think that oh maybe in another 10 years but not yeah. right now exactly yeah yeah but it's all part of it isn't it it's all part of and also you don't necessarily have people actively pushing you to 
move forward do you know what i mean mm -hmm. even if they do pay you compliments here and there or they say oh you're oh you're really good it might just end up with them giving you more more work to do or more more things to do in your current role but they don't necessarily say you know i can see this potential in you i want you to do this i want you to do this course or i want you to go here go there or you've been chosen mm. to do this because of mm. because we can see your potential yeah. um so yeah i don't know if that feeds in i think that's more to do with progression perhaps but i, I don't know if that feeds into it as well um Aww. yeah it's such a funny topic actually isn't it mm. <laughs> an interesting one of that mm. i remember i sharing with you guys what i think we're just talking um off the chat in terms of when i got my job and how i literally thought oh i think these ones would just accept anyone yeah like, i was like they're super desperate like <laughs> they'll just take anyone and i started to work and i think there was a recent well probably not that recent experience of so i've been working and probably the first two years of my career i i, I just kept thinking oh, i think they were really desperate um and then we recruited someone um and they didn't really um they just weren't um meeting all the criteria if that makes sense within the role mm. and for the first time it hit me that actually no they weren't desperate mm. <laughs> because i was like well if i know how stretched we were within the team at the time and for them to have turned around someone and within the probation period it just made me realize that well we're not desperate after all then there must be something about me that they saw mm. if that makes sense and mm. like you said like having someone to push you up because i remember like i got really comfortable being a band five i was like this is good let's just stick with this for as long as possible <laughs> <laughs> and i remember when a band six position came up i wasn't going to go for it again um, because i just thought i wasn't ready um, and my husband was like go for it and in my mind something in the back of my mind kept telling me to at least if nothing else you would have tried to interview for a band six role you'd know what it's like mm. i mean the end i went for it and i got it so again it's just mm. thinking about all the um possible um restrictions that having a syndrome like the imposter syndrome can put on your path that actually mm. the things that you would have achieved without feeling like a fraud if you didn't mm. feel like a fraud if you didn't feel like you didn't deserve to be there there'll be so much more you could have achieved so i think it's something we definitely need to talk more about mm. and work or fight against if that mm. makes sense Mm. to hopefully achieve the best of our potentials mm. yeah yeah and I think I've I had a similar experience to you Bimi in terms of when I started work um kind of having a lot of kind of confidence issues there and feeling like should I be here you know even when I got promotions I was, I was still thinking should I be here mm. <laughs> you know, and kind of focusing on the thoughts and things like that which actually yeah it leads me quite nicely on <laughs> to talk a bit about um what have we done then so what kind of so we've all kind of spoken a bit about the different things that we found difficult how we've kind of experienced imposter syndrome or if not imposter syndrome then just self-confidence issues um what kind of things would you say that you've done to help to overcome um those feelings of of self-doubt mm. I feel like with me I've had different um supervisors that have really been helpful in that way where they they um have tried to help me to think about 
the positive things that I've been doing. Um, so I've been trying to kind of do that sort, especially like one of my supervisors that I've had in the last couple of years um, has been really good at helping me to just, even if it's really negative, helping me to sort of flip it and say, well, at least you know for next summer, or at least, you know, you learned this mm-hmm. and this happens and I, that's happened to me sort of thing. That's been quite helpful. And what I'm trying to do for myself um, now is just like um, kind of reflecting on my achievements. So like the things mm-hmm. that I've, actually me and Annie have done this together, haven't we? Where yeah. like, <laughs> we'll just be like, listen Anya you've done this 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 and this and Anya's done that a lot for me recently because I've been imposter syndroming quite a lot I think and she'll have. just yeah she'll just be basically telling me off on the phone <laughs> <laughs> but I think stuff like that is actually helpful to have someone say to you listen um you've done this this was really good even if it's not where you um want it to be you've improved in this way or Mm. you know looking for the positives has been really good so um what I'm also trying to do is like write down um like small wins or like things that I've done Mm. well or things that I've achieved or you know things like that to kind of try and um reflect on and make me see that I am improving I am doing this this better or yeah and try not to it sounds a bit weird but try not to think about it if that makes sense so try not to think about do I deserve to be here like just trying to think about what I'm actually getting through things reflecting on it and reflecting Mm -hmm. on what I've learned or what I can learn what I can do better rather than oh my gosh like I'm so terrible at xyz Mm. um I'm trying to do that a lot more Mm-hmm. yeah it's helping me and like using that sort of bullet journal sort of method mm-hmm. even things like me even this is a small thing but even things like me having things that I wanted to accomplish in the day and being able to do it is making me feel more like better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean like, it's yeah. a small example but yeah those sort of things help me that's really good that sounds really nice <laughs> and Anya telling me off <laughs> if anyone wants a good telling off just let me know send me a message in the, in the chat or in our messaging box our dm box and i will tell you off <laughs> gladly <laughs> so what about you for me anyway um what would you say that you've done to kind of help you to overcome some of those self-esteem issues i think like ravna mentioned it's about not dwelling on the errors too much And I think one of the biggest things I've been telling myself or understanding really more recently is that actually without errors, there'll be no learning or progression. So if I didn't make errors, I would Mm. literally not learn from me. I wouldn't be a better person. So it's actually appreciating the errors. So I kind of, I I wouldn't say I celebrate my errors, but I don't see them in the negative light that I used to. I kind Mm. of like learn my lessons from it and I move on. I remember especially when I started as part of during my probationary period. So I know that we'll do the um, RCSLT competencies, but within my organization, we also had um, a system where you like, the, it's similar to the um, RCSLT competencies, um, but you also set goals. You can use them towards your competencies. And I remember both my band eight and band seven at the time, they had mm. to sit down with me and say, look, one of your goals has to be writing more positive, like giving yourself more positive feedback. 
mm. if that makes sense because I literally go into a session even if I was being observed and not being observed I was, I was doing a good practice of writing reflective log and so I had to write every time I came into this meeting I had to come with at least three positive um, mm-hmm. things that I'd done within a session and I still try to keep that going because it's like you said it's so easy to focus on the negatives yeah so as much as possible I try to focus on what I think has gone well Good. and I just I celebrate that learn my lesson don't dwell on it and move on so those are some of the things that I've helped not to say that I still don't feel like that and at least now like a Rabla said I also know that I can come to Anya for a good telling off yes you can <laughs> anytime <laughs> i'll receive you with open arms don't worry <laughs> oh, yeah no that's really good i think those both of what you've said uh, both you and what rabna has said as well has been really encouraging so thanks for, mm. thank you both for sharing that i think what about you anya yeah, yeah i think for me um i think being aware of the types of thoughts that are going through my head Mm. And which are part of the imposter syndrome has been really important for me to recognize. And I think um, now that I'm aware of imposter syndrome, I'm aware of those thoughts when they come in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I think being mm. aware is so key because now that they come, I'm able to start questioning them. Mm. So if I start thinking to myself one day, you shouldn't be here, then I think, well, why shouldn't I? Mm. What is making me say that? Why shouldn't I be here? Have mm. I not done this? Have I not done that? Fair mm. enough, I'm not perfect, but who is perfect? Mm. You know, so just kind of having that internal conversation with myself has been quite useful, really questioning those, those thoughts. Mm. Um, I'd say secondly, um, just learning how to be a bit more kind to myself. Mm. Um, so I think, I think Rabna says something similar. I think I'm, I'm quite hard on myself at times. Mm. And, you know, if I make a mistake, I, I am quite hard on myself. And some mm. of the, the thoughts that goes in my mind when I, when I make those mistakes as well, I can be really harsh. So um, I think I've learned how to be kinder to myself and think, well, actually, you know, we will make mistakes and actually mm. looking at looking at this situation more objectively rather than subjectively. Mm-hmm. Rather than personal, you know, emotional mm. experience and <laughs> feelings rather than it coming out of that yeah. state. Looking at it more objectively and looking at the situation as a whole and being kind and saying, actually this was difficult, but you still managed to do this. Mm. You know, so looking at it more objectively, I'd say. And um also, like Robin said, we were starting to um, celebrate our, our successes. And I've been trying to do it weekly, again, not consistently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't done it consistently, but I think that's been really helpful, just kind of uh, writing things down um, mm. at the end of the day sometimes. Mm. Saying, Actually, I've managed to achieve this, which has been good. Because I think it's easy just to go through the day. The motions. Yeah, mm. Go through the motions, go through the day, and actually get to the end of the day I think I'm so tired and mm-hmm. I don't know what I've done today <laughs> mm. but when you actually stop and take time to reflect then you can actually see the day for what it was and think actually mm. I didn't get this done mm. which I've been meaning to do for ages and I have done this and mm. actually this was quite a good decision that I that I made at this point okay this wasn't a good decision but it's okay I'll learn from it mm-hmm. but actually this was quite a good decision so I think it's it's all about reflecting really and uh, taking that time to write these things down um mm. because yeah I think you mentioned earlier Robin it's so easy to hold on to the negatives mm. uh, rather than actually 
see that see the positives mm. yeah. i really like what you said about being kinder to yourself anya and i think that one's a, it's really important you mm. can be overly critical of ourselves isn't it and just actually just realizing that everybody makes mistakes you're not alone in those errors and it's about what you're able to salvage isn't it so yeah. that didn't go well but i managed to do this and that's important you mm -hmm. didn't just go somewhere and break down and cry you managed it like a professional that you are and it's important mm -hmm. to remember that yeah absolutely mm. So um, on today's topic, we've been talking about imposter syndrome and we found it quite interesting that it sounds like all three of us, to different degrees, do suffer from this imposter syndrome. Um, and obviously we found that there are statistics that talked about the um, degree in which it affects people from, from Black, Asian and other um, minority ethnic groups. Um, so Bain, um, as well as like we found other things in terms of millennials impacting on women as well. Um, and through the conversation, it was just quite interesting to see that um, imposter syndrome is not just the result of interpersonal or a wrong self-assessment. They're also external factors. So things that we hear people say to us day in, day out um, that can contribute to that feeling. Um, and I think, I think it's important to identify it for what it is. Um, and we were just sharing about tips um, that we that we've started to um, use now to help ourselves to get over the syndrome. And it's not to say it's not a day's job, but the more you begin to think about it and identify what those feelings and thoughts are, and the more you begin to work to oppose them, then hopefully you will begin to make progress. So hopefully this topic um, has been an interesting conversation for you um, and would like to know what your thoughts are as well as if you also feel like you suffer from imposter syndrome, any of the tips that you use to help manage this, please let us know. You can contact us via email and you can also leave a comment in the comment section. Until next time, bye. 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 bye.